0: We've got two Bible readings this morning. The first is from James chapter 1 and just in verse 19 and it's entitled uh, Listening and Doing in the NIV. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Now if you want to turn to Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 21 to 33. It's Ephesians chapter 5 verses 21 to 33. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the saviour. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for the body, just as Christ does the church for we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband.
1: Well, good morning. To uh, you all at Staines. I'm afraid this week uh, it's a recording from me as uh, this morning clashed with our uh, series in Haggai that uh, I uh, put myself down for. But anyway, it's uh, wonderful to be with you again and uh, continuing the series in uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 33. Now, one of my favourite places uh, to take the children when they were growing up was Becken Scott Model Village out there in uh, Beaconsfield. I'm sure many of you know it well and you've been there. Um, I loved the minute detail of uh, the whole village. I used to sort of climb, to get down on my hands and knees and sort of look, peer through the, the windows of the little houses and, and all the detail. You know, it. Uh, there was so much hard work that went into making uh, the whole experience as good as it is. And you know what? Sometimes you could be there and you could get so caught up in it, you'd you'd forget where you were. Now, good that Beck and Scott Model Village uh, is. We can't be completely fulfilled by it because, basically, as human beings, we're made for something much bigger, aren't we? However, as a model, it does point to something much more lasting, uh, more concrete, something much grander than itself. Now, Christian marriage is a little bit like a model village. It's to be enjoyed and savoured and it is a great blessing. And like the model village, a Christian marriage requires a, a lot of hard work. It doesn't just happen, does it? Christian marriage can be so good that you perhaps even lose yourself in it. However good that Christian marriage is, we can't be completely fulfilled by it because we are made for something bigger. Christian marriage, like the model, points to something more lasting, more concrete, uh, something much grander than itself. And that, of course, is Christ's relationship with Jesus his church, his people. That really is the marriage that is made in heaven. Now, we've been in Ephesians uh, long enough, haven't we, to know that the big theme of this uh, letter by Paul is how God is uniting all things ultimately under the headship of Christ. And a sign in our world of what living under the headship of Christ looks like is, in fact, the church. Now, over the preceding section, uh, Paul's laid out, hasn't he, what it looks like to belong to Christ. It's a section that ended with uh, verse 21, how we are to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Well, this serves, if you like, as a bridge now to the next section where Paul takes a look at three everyday relationships. The first we'll look at today is that of husbands and wives. The second that I'll be with you again next week uh, is looking at children and their parents and the third one is slaves and their masters or we would say today employers employees. Now We're gonna look at today's passage in two main slugs. Firstly, a word to wives, and secondly, a word to husbands. But I'd like to also have a third section, and that is, if you like, a word to us all, whether we're married, single, divorced, whoever we might be, because marriage is, uh, speaks into all of those situations. So let me pray. Dear Lord God, we uh, thank you for your word, thank you that it is a living word, thank you that it speaks into all of our lives and relationships, and uh, especially today as we consider Christian marriage, how, Lord, you lay out in your word what it is, what it looks like, how it functions best. And I pray as a result of today, Lord, that our marriages uh, would be that bit stronger than perhaps they were at the beginning of the day and that we might glorify you more and more in our relationships this we ask in jesus name amen so firstly a word to wives this is uh, verses 22 to 24 paul writes wives submit to your husbands as to the lord now a christian uh, as christians submit to the lord jesus as the authority in our lives so a christian wife is called to submit to her husband and then Paul gives the reason why, for or because uh, the husband is the head of uh, the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body. It doesn't say the husband could be, should be, might be, or maybe. It says the husband is the head of his wife. Now, he may not be a very good head, but God has given the husband the role of headship. It's not based upon his intellect, his strength, his moral fortitude, or indeed any human trait at all. It's God's ordering of things anchored in the order of creation. As Paul writes to Timothy, for Adam was formed first, then Eve, chapter 2, verse 13. It's also some, not simply a cultural ordering of things. Uh, rather, it is to model Christ's headship of the church his body of which he is the saviour. I'm sure we'd all agree that Christ's headship of the church doesn't need a cultural makeover and neither does a husband's headship of his wife. And just as the church submits to the headship of the Lord Jesus, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Now, I acknowledge that uh, the word submit is somewhat of a loaded word, isn't it? It uh, perhaps comes with notions of oppression, of being a doormat, a loss of identity and those sorts of things. Sadly, there have also been plenty of examples of Christian husbands who have abused their position of headship, which has ma- has been massively harmful and uh, totally dishonours Christ. Now, so to submit means to line up under one in authority much like perhaps an army would line up under its commanding officer and it is strategic in that it helps to make the army what it's meant to be so take for instance a simple stool with three or four legs to it the legs are lined up aren't they underneath the seat they're integral to making the stool a stool Without the legs, what would that stool be? It would just be a a flat bit of wood or plastic just sitting on the ground. That's not a stool at all, is it? So a wife's God-appointed role in submission to her husband in Christian marriage is just as strategic, helping to make that Christian marriage what it's meant to be. And also, it models something of Christ's relationship to his church. It's far from being a doormat. It's absolutely vital. Now, one way that a Christian wife can demonstrate her submission to her husband is by making suggestions. Now, one of the great uh, contributions a wife can make to a family unit is being able to share the wisdom and the insights that God has uh, given her. This will strengthen massively the whole family unit. But there are a couple of cautionary words that I I share. I do share them respectfully. Firstly, wives, try to avoid sort of verbosity in making suggestions. That includes sort of complaining or uh, maybe too many suggestions at one time, or perhaps always having a better idea than your husband or uh, perhaps being overly persuasive in sort of never giving up until you've kind of got your way. These sorts of things really only cause your husband to sort of perhaps get a bit resentful. Secondly, make your suggestions with respect for him and not make them commands. They're not a gun to the head. And thirdly, be ready to submit to him even if, He doesn't go along with your suggestion or perhaps he feels it's a wrong suggestion. Now, the very obvious example or exception to this is if your husband asks you to do something that is clearly in contradiction to God's word or in any way is unsafe or demeaning to you. Clearly, submission is not what is required in those instances in such a situation uh, it's right not to and lastly if your husband is a poor leader or fails completely in this this role of headship do not assume that headship that leadership yourself because quite simply god hasn't made you that leader Better still, with your husband, to try to unpack together why it is that uh, perhaps he's reluctant to lead. Does he maybe lack confidence? Does he fear criticism? Or, as I've witnessed in a few marriages, the husband is just so much in awe of, of his wife's intelligence and natural leadership skills that he just kind of backs off. So that's the word to wives from our our passage, submit to your husbands. In doing this, you'll be modeling before a watching world the uh, church's submission to the one who is in ultimate authority, and that is the Lord Jesus. Now a word for husbands. You need to strap yourself in now, guys. A word to husbands. Now, given what uh, Paul has just said to wives, that they are to submit to uh, a headship, you'd have expected Paul to say something like, husbands, lead your wives as Christ led or leads the church. But actually, he doesn't, does he? He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Now, there are other love words that Paul could have used. He could have focused on eros love, which is sort of sexual passion. He could have focused on philia love, excuse me, uh, which is family affection. But actually, he focuses on agape love, which is sacrificial love. Now, in the Greco-Roman world of Paul's day, It was normal for a wife to submit to a husband, that's kind of common practice, but it was not normal for a husband to sacrificially love his wife. In that culture, the norm would have been for husbands to see their wives as, if you like, their personal property, to do with whatever they wished, and that, of course, led to a great deal of abuse. So Christian husbands being called to sacrificially love your wives uh, would have been radically countercultural and would have modeled before a watching world the ultimately sacrificial love of Christ for his people, his church, his bride. But Christ's love for his church didn't stop at Calvary, did it? As Paul goes on to say, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless. Jesus' love continues as he purifies his church and ultimately perfects his church and one day will present us, his church, to himself as that bride beautifully dressed for her husband. Well, Jesus' love for his body, the church, is how a husband is to love his wife. In the same way, Paul says, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but he feeds and cares for it just as Christ does the church, for we are members of his body. So husbands are to care for our wives we're to cherish them and nurture them and help them to grow into the the women that God wants them to be. Now, when a husband acts like this, he is serving his wife and he is honouring Christ. When a husband doesn't act like this, but acts in an uncaring manner towards his wife, not only does he hurt her, he hurts himself, but he hurts the church too. And once again, Paul grounds his command to husbands in creation as he quotes Genesis chapter two, verse 24, probably the key text which defines uh, marriage in our culture. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two become one flesh. Marriage in God's eyes is only between a man and a woman united as one flesh for life. Now, the ultimate purpose of marriage is underlined again in verse 32. This is a profound mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. Christian husbands and wives live out their God-ordained roles in marriage, albeit imperfectly. When we do this, we model before a watching world the one flesh union of Christ and his church. And whenever we tinker with these roles, or we redefine what we think Christian marriage should be, then that marriage loses its ultimate purpose, and it no longer points to Christ and his church. Now, just as there were a couple of cautionary words to wives, so too there's some cautionary words to us as husbands. See, one way that we can demonstrate um, our love for our wives is by listening to them. Good leaders tend to be good listeners. It's true in the corporate world, it's true in uh, the church, it's true in families. Good leaders. Are good listeners. Now some men have mistakenly understood headship as sort of dictatorship or and they've uh, deprived themselves in the process of the immense wisdom uh, that God has given their wives. They've just not listened to them. James writes, doesn't he, that everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry. Husbands we must learn to listen to our wives because God has given them wisdom in areas of life that he hasn't given us wisdom and we would be knuckleheads to ignore it. An area for instance in our marriage where I know God blessed my wife uh, Caroline with uh, loads more wisdom than he blessed me with was in the Uh, early years of parenting and the general nurturing gifts. She was fantastic in those areas. And I I remain uh, still uh, very much a work in progress and lots of room for improvement. Now, husbands, we can sometimes be a bit proud, can't we? And a bit stubborn. And we think we know best. You know, it's my way or the highway. Now, the more and more we do this, then the less and less our wives will want to offer up their suggestions. Good leaders are good listeners. As Proverbs states, let the wise listen and add to their learning and let the discerning get guidance. So the word to husbands is love your wives. In doing this, you'll be modeling before a watching world the sacrificial love of Christ for his bride, the church. So we've had a word to wives, we've had a word to husbands. Finally, uh, let's have a word for all. And although Paul has kept uh, before us the ultimate purpose of Christian marriage, uh, being to point to something bigger than itself, i.e. Christ's relationship to the church, he ends by reminding us what we're to do. He ends, doesn't he? However, each one of you also must love his wife as he loves himself. And the wife must respect her husband. Any message on marriage always has more material than can be covered by one sermon. But let me end with four short pastoral pleas. The first one is to the single people amongst us. Although Paul here extols the importance of Christian marriage, he, of course, was single and remained single. And he was especially used by the Lord, probably, because he was single. Now, as the church, we do a massive disservice to single people by implying, overtly or indirectly, that a fulfilled Christian life can only come through marriage. Please hear me this morning. There is a great blessing in singleness in many, many ways. Not least, the gospel offered opportunities that it does afford. Basically, as a single person, you can get stuck into a whole lot of stuff that us married people can't necessarily do. We don't necessarily have time for. So there's the first thing. Some of you who are, are, are single, I hope you hear that this morning. Um, some of you are single, you will marry. Uh, just make sure you marry a fellow Christian. Secondly, a word to those married to non-Christians. Now, these instructions from Paul uh, still apply, even though it's only you as a Christian who will probably be putting them into practice. It's Peter in his first letter that highlights the importance of a Christian wife's uh, conduct when he writes this. Wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behaviour of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. Now this is not a promise or a guarantee that your spouse will come to faith in Christ. But what it does do is reinforce the redemptive power of a godly life. Thirdly, a word to those who've known the pain of divorce. Whilst we must never ever lower the bar on marriage and make divorce easy, As Jesus himself taught, therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. So we mustn't make divorce easy. Those who have experienced the pain of divorce, though, must not be made to feel like they have committed the eternal sin. A great deal of grace must be extended and even more effort to be made to ensure that uh, a divorced person does stay well connected to the community of the church. You see, if the church uh, were the meeting place for those who only have an impeccable track record, then none of us would be a part of it, would would we? It's all by grace and grace alone. And lastly, to those married to fellow Christians. May I say this, keep working on and at your marriage. But there's one area that it's pretty easy, I think, to overlook. And that is how we spur one another on as husbands and wives in our faith. Part of my role, you see, as a Christian husband is to help Caroline grow into her full potential, not only as a wife and as a mother to our four grown up children, but even more importantly, as my sister in Christ. Similarly, part of her her role as a Christian wife is to help me to grow into my full potential, not only as her husband and as um, the father, to our our young people, but also as her brother in Christ. So we need to encourage each other in good uh, Bible reading habits and in prayer, especially together. We should share with with, uh, one another spiritually at a heart level, our joys, but also our fears, our successes, as much as our failures. We should try to find avenues of service within the body of Christ and also out in the wider community where we can exercise the gifts that God has given us, preferably together and not always apart. As uh, Proverbs 27, 17 memorably puts it, as iron sharpens iron, so one man or woman sharpens another and how true that is of Christian marriage. So Christian marriage, as as you all know, it requires hard work. Wives, it will not always be easy to submit to and respect your husbands, but that is what God wants you to do. Husbands, it will not always be easy for us, will it, to sacrificially love our wives but that is what Christ wants us to do. And when we do it, we are modeling before a watching world, albeit imperfectly, the ultimate marriage between Christ and his church. Let me pray. Dear Lord God, thank you that marriage is not a concept that man came up with, but you spoke it into being at creation. Forgive us when we tamper with it and redefine it, often due to cultural pressure. Please help those of us who are married to faithfully take on the role that you have given us in marriage. Those marriages that are struggling, may you bring your healing touch. And those who have known the pain of divorce, please pour out your grace and strength. Please bless the marriages of Staines Congregational Church. And may the folk here spur one another on in, in Christ. And thank you, Lord, that marriage points to something bigger and much grander than itself, the ultimate marriage of Christ and his church, a marriage that will endure for all eternity. Please be with those couples known to us who are awaiting marriage, and perhaps more than a little frustrated by the effects of the pandemic. May these marriages come about soon and be a great blessing, we pray. All of this we ask in Christ's name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening and I look forward to seeing you all next week when we will be talking about parents
0: and their children. God bless.